Well, good morning. It's wonderful to, now that I looked up, see all your faces and wonderful to be here. It's been a week, but uh, isn't it always wonderful to be able to come back together at the end, start, I don't know how you count your week, to come back at this time together to worship together and, and be here. And so uh, it's wonderful to see you all and, uh, and I'm excited to bring you a word. And I have always considered like the hallmark of a, a great preacher to be someone who has preached for so long that they reach a point that when someone asks them to preach, they're like, I've already preached on that. Like, that seems to be, in my mind, the, the mark of someone who's preached for, for a long time, has had a good stint. Now, I'm no uh, great preacher, nor have I been preaching for a long time, but I do bring to you this morning a passage that I've already preached on. Isn't that fun? What a coincidence. <laughs> If anybody is thinking about leaving, though, I would encourage you to stay. Last time I preached on a whole chapter, this time three verses. So we're going we're gonna to simplify it down, we're going to strip it down, and it's going to be a fun time. And the reason this has happened is because we're starting a new series as a church. And that series is on discipleship. And so we're going to be working through some of the core elements of discipleship, what I would like to call from root to reward and everything in between. And so as part of that, we're going to be touching on a chapter in Hebrews this morning. But I'd like to ask, what comes to mind when you think of discipleship? What are the things that, that spring into your mind? Is that, does the word disciple mean something to you already? Perhaps you think of the American metal band, The Disciples. That's an obscure reference, I think, but uh, hey, I've, got, I've got one. Here we go. Maybe you think of the more, the more obvious, The Twelve Disciples. Uh, or you think of the, the Great Commission in Matthew where Jesus says, go out and make disciples. Or maybe you think of someone in particular in your life who you've journeyed with for many years or who's journeyed with you in your faith. But we find that, that most of these descriptions of disciples are outward. They're other people. They're the disciples. They're the people we've journeyed with. And, and not as often do we stop and think about discipleship in terms of ourselves. So that is where we're going to start this morning. We're going to start with looking inwardly at what discipleship means for us. What does it mean for you to be a disciple of Jesus? And a great passage to start with is in 1 John chapter 3, because it talks not only about who we are now, our current identity, but also who we're being made into. It reads 1 John 3 verse 2, I believe. If anybody can beat me there, I'm sorry, I didn't give you adequate time. It reads, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has yet to be made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. See, currently, those of us who know and love Jesus are children of God, but that's not the end of the story. It's not the be-all and end-all. It's not where the buck stops. We learn that the process of being a disciple of Jesus leads us to be more and more like him, all the way up until he returns again. And I think this is an idea that's very easy for children to grasp, but sometimes we... I consider myself an adult now, so yeah. Sometimes we, for all of you adults in the room, sometimes we can find this a hard thing to grasp. Because as a child, the idea of having a hero is very normal, of having someone to aspire to be like. 
If you ask a child what they want to do when they grow older, very often the answer is whatever their parents do. When a kid watches a movie or or plays a game for the first time, what do they do? They want to dress like that person, they want to act like that person, they want to do the things that person did. And children have people in their lives who they aspire to be like, who they think are, are super cool and they want to be just like them. So it's very natural for a kid to think about trying to become like someone else. Not so much as adults. Children know that they have not yet reached their final version, their finished product. Adults struggle more. We begin to lose that idea. And so in our desire for self-contentedness, we become resistant to change, more satisfied with good enough, and we can stop growing or even stop desiring growth. But we know that the role of being discipled is to be growing to become more and more like Jesus all the way up until he returns. So come with me this morning, put on childlike eyes. doesn't matter how long it's been since you're a child, you still got them. And be ready to grow and look with me at this hero who we know as Jesus. So if you've got your Bibles, I'll give you more time this time. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. Just a cute little section. It's going to be great. All right. Let's begin. I'm sorry, everybody. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let me pray as we dive into it. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have promised to be making us your disciples, to be making us like your son Jesus. So Lord, this morning, give us eyes that are ready to see him. Give us hearts that are ready to change. Lord, help us to be childlike in our admiration for you and be discipling us now and in the days ahead. Amen. Well, our passage today begins with a classic word. It begins with therefore. So we're going to take a very brief look behind because this passage follows on from a very lengthy discourse. It follows on from a large section where the author of Hebrews is talking all about the people who have come before. The people of the Old Testament who were significant in the history of Israel. And in discussing them, the the author is building towards a point which they make in verses 39 and 40 of the previous chapter, chapter, where they say, these people were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised, 
since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. All the great figures of Israel's history, all of the people who they would consider like the pinnacle of their faith, died waiting. Died waiting for something to happen. And now we live in the time that that thing has happened and so therefore, since all these people have gone before, since all these people have been witnesses to us, the encouragement firstly this morning is to fix our eyes on Jesus. The first thing we learn about what it means to be a disciple is that disciples are focused on Jesus. Well, clearly the author here in this whole section is using an image drawn from their life and from the kinds of sports spectacles of their day. That's why they've got this idea of running before witnesses. And the audience would be very familiar with this image. I'm sure you are too. The idea of athletes competing for honour and for prestige and for glory. And yet here in our passage we see that the honour and the prestige is none of those things. It's not about what is admirable in the eyes of those around. It's not about money or fame or notoriety. The single objective of the runner here is Jesus. And we learn that having a clear view of our objective helps us to stop from turning from the path. See, my sister and I, Carol, we are big fans of KFC. Some of you may know it as Dirty Bird. It's a great time. Yeah, get around. Yeah, it's a great time. Uh, and, and so for a long time we've been fans of KFC and we've always enjoyed eating it together, so much so that it became part of post-youth group rhythm that as you go uh, after youth, you go and you get KFC together. Uh, it's very good for you and it's a great thing to do once a week. <laughs> but there's this common experience that Carol and I both share. And that is that when you go to KFC, the the enticement is always to buy a box meal. There's regular meals where you've got like a burger and some chips and a drink. And that's good. But a box meal comes with more pieces of fried chicken, comes with more chips, and you're almost guaranteed one of those alcohol wipes to clean up your hands afterwards. It's, It's a good deal. And when you order it, you think it's a great idea every single time. And every single time as you finish the meal, all you are left with is guilt and shame and a feeling of sickness. Come on, reason with me, we're right. You see, when we lack a clear goal, when we lack a clear objective, it is hard to resist temptation. When we're left to our own devices, our inclination almost always chooses wrong. When you're given the whole meal to choose from, you better believe you're going for the box meal. And so we learn that to overcome temptation, to overcome difficulty, to overcome whatever the world has to throw at us, we need a goal. And the author of Hebrews makes it clear that the only appropriate goal is to pursue none other than Jesus himself. What more fitting encouragement is there in, the time, in a time of difficulty, in a time of adversity, than Jesus, the man himself, who has gone before us? Whenever we're drawn to look away, 
whenever the worries of life threaten to overcome us, whenever fear or anxiety or concern about the unknown overtake us, when doubt, disunity or uncertainty take hold, the remedy is to focus on Jesus. Jesus, who is the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. He's the pioneer because faith begins with him. Without him, there would be nothing to have faith at all. I mean, God would still be there, but he is the living representation of God. And without God's planning and careful action and guidance, there would be nothing to grasp. Jesus is the pioneer and he's the perfecter because without Jesus' actions, without his life, without his death, without his resurrection, faith would have no effect. Jesus is the centre of the life of a disciple. So are you living with your eyes fixed on Jesus? And it's a question we ask ourselves daily. There was a week recently at youth group where there were less kids attending than I was used to and initially I felt discouraged. But I soon came to realise that my discouragement was because I'd stopped fixing my eyes on Jesus alone. I thought I was fixing my eyes on him, but I was looking at numbers. I was looking at how many people were coming. And when I was reminded that my desire is to see young people come to grow in their relationship with Jesus, it didn't matter anymore. When you fix your eyes on Jesus, other things fade away. And if we stop asking where our eyes are fixed, we start to look away from Jesus. We start to look for value in our workplace or in our study. We look for purpose in our finances or our achievements. We place ourselves as our goals. So where are your eyes fixed this morning? If we really want to be a community, a church that is growing together in their relationship with Jesus and that is showing him to the world, that is impacting and changing lives, that is raising up disciples, then we have to continually renew our call to focus on Jesus. And we know what it looks like when this is done well because we see that the early church was radically changed by this Jesus guy that they were following together. In Acts 4, 32-35, we read that all of the believers were of one heart and mind. Now, I'm not convinced that they never disagreed. I'm not convinced that they didn't have diversity among them, but they were of one mind in that they were all focused on the same person. They all had the same saviour. And the effect of that is that they shared what they had with one another. No one was in need. And they shared the gospel with one another. And it says that God worked powerfully among them. That's what it looks like when we as a church fix our eyes on Jesus. And I know that this has been a tough season. That we're in the middle of a transition and we're coming out of a difficult couple of years. But our eyes don't need to be fixed on that. We need to look further ahead. Hebrews 9.28 reads, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time 
not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those waiting for him. He's coming. There are better days ahead. And when we fix our eyes on that, the troubles, the difficulties fade away. So fix your eyes on him alone this morning. Well, the second thing that we learn about disciples this morning is not only that they focus on Jesus, but that they throw off hindrances. The image given here is of a racer who, in their pursuit of victory, would get rid of anything that could slow them down. Think of boxers as they enter the ring. They're wearing, what, shoes, shorts, gloves, and they have these frail little bits of silk on them. And yet even that is too much for a fight. Even that has to come off in order to ensure victory. Or or swimmers wear the most streamlined clothing that are designed to remove, remove any drag in the water. Race cars have everything taken out of them that could possibly slow them down. I don't even know if they have aircon. I didn't check. Athletes and fighters and racers are very familiar with the idea of removing anything that could get in the way. Anything that could stop them from pursuing victory. And when you, have a, when you desire a specific goal... Sacrifice is not only easier, it's expected. We see this in our, at play in our lives all the time. If you want to further your business, then naturally other things have to be sacrificed. And it's usually time with friends or family or in your hobbies or whatever else takes up your spare time. If you want to prioritise your family, then the opposite is true. You, you usually have to make sacrifices in your business or in your income. If you want to prioritise your passions, then now you have to make decisions to, uh, to lower your income and lower your job security as you pursue things that aren't so easy to find. If you want to prioritise travel, then, and the list goes on. All the time in our lives, we make sacrifices for the sake of something else. Well, this morning, the writer of Hebrews reminds us that being a disciple comes with a sacrifice. That pursuing Jesus means that there are things in our lives that we throw away, that we cast off. And this is no great mystery, I'm sure, to to many of you. I'm sure many of us would know this to be true. And yet there are times when we can forget that we're in a race, where we can go from running to walking and from walking to dawdling, when instead of throwing off everything that could get in the way, we throw off some of the things, just the easy ones. Maybe we pick up a few things along the way. Maybe we decide it's not worth it at all and we carry everything. This is not what God has in mind. James, in his letter, uh, writes in, in chapter 1, verse 14 to 15, he picks up on a similar idea, but he amplifies it. He says, each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. 
And then, after that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. The sin that we hold on to, the things that we so desperately try to convince ourselves are good or are acceptable, they're not leading us toward Jesus. They're leading us toward death. I mean, Jesus goes another step further in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Whatever hinders you in your run, whatever is in your life that entangles you, throw it off. I know this might sound like a harsh way to start a series on discipleship. I'm sorry about that. But what greater threat to being disciples is there than the sin that we learn to live with? What sin have you learnt to live with? Have you learnt to tolerate? Have you decided to carry with you? What sin have you decided is too big is too important, is too difficult to give up. Don't give up. Throw it off. Like someone who has just walked through a spider web and is now afraid there's a spider on them, hastily and frantically get rid of it. Whatever it takes. Whatever is coming between you and Jesus in our passage today is a challenge to the race we're running. Whatever relationship, whatever activity, whatever possession, whatever pursuit, anything that holds us back from pursuing Jesus, from being made like Jesus, are called to be thrown aside, left behind and cut off. Are there things that are weighing on your heart? Are there things that you've been carrying for a long time that maybe you've given up on throwing aside? Well, this morning, I would encourage you, try again. Look to God. Look to Jesus. Ask for help. Do not become content with the burden, but cast it off, as disciples do. Well, the final thing that we learn about disciples from our passage this morning is that disciples persevere daily. A year ago, I stood before my youth group on our youth camp and I told this story and it was sitting with me again, so I'll tell it again. You see, four days before our youth camp, I had snapped my Achilles, so I stood before them with crutches under both my arms and my left foot in a cast. Left foot, everybody, was my foot. And this would have been fine. This, this was just part of life. But I knew that I had done this to myself. You see, I'd been playing basketball for over 12 years. I was very comfortable with doing you know, a little bit of sport here and there, a little bit of exercise. The day I snapped my Achilles, I made a decision to push it. I went bouldering for the first time. Bouldering is like rock climbing with extra steps. But I went bouldering for the first time that day. It was a lot of fun and I went like as hard as I could. I climbed as many walls as I could until I was completely exhausted. And then I drove straight to basketball. Wise, I know. 
And so I did my warm-up before my game and thought, that'll be fine, that's enough, that's all it takes. And two minutes into the game, I went to jump and bang, my Achilles went. And so as I told this story a year ago to our youth kids, I asked them this quite tacky question, but it stuck with me. I asked them, what kind of faith in Jesus do you want to have? Do you want to have bouldering faith or do you want to have basketball faith? You see, bouldering faith is exciting and is new and it goes as hard as it can and it burns out fast. Basketball faith is still exciting, but it's consistent, it's strong, it's reliable, it lasts decades. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Perseverance doesn't happen with no effort. Christ-likeness is not instantaneous. Living our lives to, to become like Jesus is something we commit to daily. We commit to it when we're healthy and when we're sick, when things are good and when things are real bad, when we're young and when we're old. Being a disciple is about daily perseverance. Growing up, I would always admire how effortlessly it seemed older people uh, would have daily time with God. They made it look like it was the simplest thing ever. And for many, it is. But Hebrews does not say that it is easy. It says that it takes perseverance. The good news is we don't persevere alone. Not only are we surrounded by the witnesses who went before us, but we are surrounded by the witnesses that run beside us. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Spur one another on. When was the last time you asked the person who's sitting next to you how their race is going? When was the last time someone asked you, spur one another on, let us persevere together. That's what the witnesses are for. And not only are we surrounded by witnesses, but we're propelled by God. Paul, in his letter to the church in Philippi, writes, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. God is discipling you. He is bringing it to completion. God is not only carrying on his work in us, he's also modelled endurance for us. We read in our passage today in Hebrews that Jesus endured the cross, It's pain, his humiliation, his suffering. He endured opposition from sinners, his own people crucifying him, his disciples betraying him. The one that we look towards as we run has shown us what it looks like to run with perseverance. God is at work. God will not be done until Christ returns. He's not done working in you, conforming you to his image, discipling you. He's not done working in his church, 
making it radiant and bright. God is not done, so spur one another on. So this morning, I encourage you, as God's disciples, as his children, look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on the one who saved you, on nothing else. Throw off the things that hinder you. Stop holding on to them, but ask God to help you let them go. And encourage one another as you persevere. Basketball faith is best in a basketball team. May I pray? Heavenly Father, thank you that you have given us a model, an image, someone to follow after. Thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. And Lord, thank you for the forgiveness that he has made possible by his blood. And so Lord, this morning, fix our eyes on him alone. Help us to see the things that we've placed before him, the sin that comes between us, and to cast it aside. And Lord, lead us to encourage one another until you return. Amen.